We are live. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Founder Hacks, our podcast where we share something we've seen, something we've read, and something we've learned that's been a source of inspiration or learning for ourselves and the founders that we work with. Let me start by saying, as ever, a glorious hello to Mr. Alex Moore. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Ben. Hello, Anthony. And a massively gregarious hello to Anthony Enright. Gregarious, like that. I'll take that. (laughs) Hi, Ben. Hi, Alex. I'm, I'm glad it'll do for you. I'm glad it'll do for you. So we've got a theme this week um, of some things that we've seen, read and learned. Um, and the theme this week is, I think, probably quite close to most founders' hearts, which is how we cope with the imperfect. I think most founders, we begin with this beautiful picture in our heads of this lovely business we're going to create. And then time and experience just wrecks that picture. And what we end up with might be slightly different. But we've got some some little stories and experiences we've collected and curated to, to share on that theme. So I believe we're going to kick off today with Anthony, who has seen something he would like to share. Off you go. Uh- Thank you very much. And I have to say, as much as I love having our guests on, it's actually, this feels uh, like the old days, just the three of us <laughs> and no guests. So so there's something nice about that too, although uh, we do love having our guests. And the thing that I've seen um, of late is working with a lot of founders and a lot of um, entrepreneurs is the always looking for the perfect employee. And does the perfect employee exist? And of course, you know, experience eventually tells us that there's no such thing as perfect, right? But of course, there's always the frustrations around needing people to do just what we want them to do and, and almost be better at us at it than, than we are. And, and so often, and certainly in the early days when we employ people, it's very, very rare that we find somebody who, who of course, can do it better than us. And I guess, um, you know, this is leading, you know, I'm seeing it in more than one organization at the moment. It's just leading to an awful lot of frustration about how do we actually get the best from our staff, from the people that, that we employ. And the work that I'm doing with, with these founders is just looking really, first of all, at the acceptance, right? So looking at accepting that, that, you know, when we're busy, when we're under pressure, certainly if we're stressed, we just want people to get the job done. But of course, we have to accept that that isn't the reality. And then what are the steps that we actually put in place to get them to be, to reach their potential and to be as productive as they possibly can be. But I, but I have seen a lot recently of people just like, I think it's just a stressed position mm. of, I just need them to get on and do it. I just need them to, to do a great job without my involvement. And of course it's, it's about for me taking that step back and appreciating that that's just not possible in the main. Right. I think you can get there once somebody's worked with you and worked for you for a long time, but in the early days, it's nigh on impossible. So, so what are the steps? What do you do in order to get there? So I just think it's a fascinating subject and a subject that I love talking to, to people about. Um, but, but how do you not get frustrated? What is it? What is it you do? What do you think, Ben? I'm, I'm really reminded of something that I explored a few years ago, which is the fundamental attributional bias. And the fundamental attributional bias is that psychological tendency we have. Um, if somebody cuts us up in the car, well, it's because they're an idiot. If we cut someone up in the, in the car, 
well, it's because we were rushed and we were hurried and we didn't notice. And, oh, you know, we're very quick to forgive ourselves. <laughs> but but generally speaking, if somebody else does something wrong, we're really quick to attribute that to who they are as a person rather than the circumstance they were in. And when it's the, 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 we're looking at ourselves, we would tend to blame the situation. And and I think it's it's a very common natural thing. But I do think it, it can be particularly sharp for founders because we're you know so often that the future of a business can be completely dependent on on how our people perform so i think it's a very hard one to manage and perhaps calling it to attention is is going to help some help all of us perhaps realize that we, we need to be a little bit more conscious um, that maybe it's our bias maybe we need to look at the situation more rounded i mean i've always found it very hard it's it's it, it of course falls to you to be the one who assesses. And I often say to people who are in our business, like, look, it is my job to assess and say how you're doing. That is my job. And obviously I have to do that, but it, it ain't always fun. It ain't always the fun bit. You know, what do you think, Alex? Yeah, I've just, I've just written down fundamental attribute, attribution. How do I say that? Attributional, I believe. Attributional <laughs> bias. How do I beat that? That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, for me, I always go for the aim for 99% perfection. And that was my little mm. brief. And like, I need you to try and make this 99% perfect. Not 100, but 99%. And then I would settle for quite a lot less. But, you know, the perfectionist in me, and I think a lot of founders are perfectionists, actually. And they care about their business probably more, you know, most founders care about the business more than anyone else in their business. And I always aimed, aim for that. And it just being a perfectionist myself, I get very frustrated. I find myself getting very frustrated at the end of the day, if things weren't done properly. And, um, yeah, I just, I just, I just had to sort of calm myself down and like aim for 99% and just deal just, but accept less. And I think that comes back, linking it back to you, Anthony, which is this acceptance point. What is the point yeah. of acceptance? How would you how would you loop all this together? Well, is there a danger? The only in, in hearing you talk there about you know entrepreneurs generally being perfectionists and, and setting the ninety nine rule instead of the hundred. My only concern with that is does that does that then end up in a situation where people people feel like they're just failing constantly? Um, so is there a, is there a lower bar to set so at least they feel like that they're that they're being successful and, and achieving, or does that matter? I'll give you 95, 95 94. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, only three? <laughs> I, don't know. I just, I just remember being in an environment previously where I thought I was doing a, 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 a pretty good job, but I was constantly told that it wasn't good enough. And, uh, you know, so, so all of a sudden you just feel like you're failing. Right. Whereas in actual reality, you're doing a pretty good job. So is 75, 80% enough? Is that okay? Mm. I like the idea. And, of, and for me, go on, Ben. Right. I was going to say, I like, I like the idea of, of cheering on progress, perhaps, you know, okay. that, that can be quite maybe a way around it. Cause I do take your point totally of, of putting people in a position where they feel like they're failing. Well, that probably leads to more failure. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. Well, this is one we'd love to hear, right? Our listeners' thoughts on this, right? And, and examples and of what they've done. But I, I think what we're hearing here is, 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 is we can't get to a hundred percent. So, so what is acceptable and accepting, 
accepting the, the situation as we find it. And the attributional bias, can we see where the attributional bias is within that? That's a fantastic mm. phrase. Um, and, uh, and put ourselves, you know, that sounds like putting ourselves in their shoes. What's going on for them? What can I do to help them be more productive? Mm. Very good. Interesting. Very interesting. Excellent. We better move on. We better move on because uh, I read something, guys, that uh, I'd like to share with you. And, and it kind of picks up on, on this theme really nicely, certainly in terms of what we got to with that, because I think it's true to say a lot of um, founders that I know certainly are perfectionists and very often um, think they know best and think they have the right idea. And, of course, that can be quite challenging. And the article that I read that I thought was quite resonant for this it's got quite a tongue-in-cheek title, um, but actually the learning it provides is good. It was called How to Win Arguments with Stupid, Stubborn People. And it's an article from Medium by a, a writer called Sean um, Kernan. Uh, but the advice it gives is actually excellent. What it, it, it makes clear is often when we go into an argument thinking that we're right, knowing that we are right, it can actually be incredibly off-putting to other people around us. And we're much better. People generally respond much better to moderate levels of confidence. So going into a situation going, oh, that's really interesting. I think it might be, might be this way is much more powerful than going in and saying, no, you're wrong. It's like this. Because people have a natural instinct to recoil from that and entrench in a particular point of view. Equally, having empathy for the other person's position. It sounds really obvious, but it's, it makes you more convincing and more likely to get to the outcome you want and being clear that what your goal is, is to, is progress. Not, it's not about your way or their way. It's about how we move forwards together. And it has lots of other tidbits too. It, you know, try to keep any argument focused, keep it in one lane. Don't just keep making points. And if you feel like you're winning the argument, don't then start to overpower them by making more and more points about why you're right. So you're, you're dominating. If you make your aim to be, if you're in that situation, the aim to it is that you, you both walk away feeling like you've improved by the conversation. Is that not a better, a better way to do it? And I, you know, whilst it was a bit of a tongue in cheek title, I just thought that's actually quite a, quite smart advice um, for founders. Cause I've definitely been in that situation where uh, I remember once having to coach a team member who was so convinced that he was right and he was leading a team. And in the end I said to him, look, it's probably going to be better if your team are bought 100% in to an 80% right solution than they're only 50% bought in to your 100% right solution. What's more likely to generate progress? And in the end, you know, in the end, I, th I think I think he took it on board and um, he, he allowed the team to be 100% committed to their 80% right solution rather than 50% committed to his 100% right solution. So, yeah, interesting. How do we cope with the imperfect there, guys? Anthony, what do you reckon? I think sometimes with a lot of founder hacks, we, we, we sometimes say the obvious or we, we see the obvious or we read the obvious. And I think this is a point in case where I think, you know, if we're calm and we've, we've we, you know, we're able to take a deep breath and we're able to really think rationally. Then, of course, this advice is is great, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. like these are the these are the things and in a calm manner. And I suspect for me, it's more about the state of mind I'm in when I go into a situation. like mm -hmm. that. So it's, it's to be reminded of these things, isn't it? It's it's to be reminded that and something that, that, that you shared eight years ago, Ben, that I share with lots of people is, you know, 
um, when you go into these sorts of situations is explain your emotion, describe your emotion, don't show your emotion. Right. Mm. And I wonder if that's somewhere in the article as well. Um, around, you know, because quite often if we're very, very emotional, then people retract and we're diminishing their ability to, to, to work with us. Uh, the same as if we're just dominant, right? And mm. I, you know, not that long ago when I was, um, you know, went, went through a, um, you know, went, went through a sale process of my business and was working with some quite different characters. You know, I, I, you know, if somebody's trying to dominate instead of trying to win that argument and dominate, I do. I have this natural ability to just retract and move away and just say nothing because I just, I don't, do not see a way of being able to win that. Um, so I think, I think, I think it's all about can you get into the right state of mind when you when you find yourself in that situation because it's not always planned, is it? Mm. These sort of conversations and these arguments come up when when they're not planned. So if you can do that and then just have these these you know in my in my little office at home here, I've got post its written everywhere with just little um, sayings and things, and I can just look up at my wall and I think one of them says breathe, you know, <laughs> just just a reminder That's of those things one. about. How do we, you know, get to a position where we're multiplying somebody's ability rather than diminishing it? How do we how do we get our point across while still getting the right outcome? Um, not easy. Mm. Not easy. What do you think, Alex? I'm thinking there's a lot of percentages in today's uh, chat. And we had to use some percentages in the first <laughs> one. And then again, Ben, you were talking about it there. In, and, you know, and this is all this coping with the, with the imperfect, you know, this settling, what I'm taking from that. Ben, which I'd love to read, by the way, is this settling for that, settling for less, even in an argument. And, you know, that might be more effective than really smashing the walnut with a sledgehammer, I think the expression is, you know, just by trying to, the goal of this, I want us to walk away. I might not get exactly 100% of what I want, but I want, I want a good outcome from this meeting by walking away. And I'd be happy with maybe 80% of my point being taken. And, uh, yeah, so again, it's this, uh, acceptance and, uh, knowing when to, you know, give up a little bit <laughs> near the end. So, uh, that's what I'm taking from that one. Uh, that will move us on, I think. And I think that's to, that's to, uh, to learn, which is me this week, right? Which I'm going to try and bring together. Um, it's a weird sort of learned that, uh, I wrote down last week just before I went on holiday, I took, took five days off. And I just thought, God, so just before I left, I just had that this enormous burst of energy to go and get a load of things done. Um, and I just had this to-do list. I just worked, blasted through it. Um, and I just thought, this is brilliant. Why can't I work like this all the time? You know, um, why can't I, this is the perfect way to work. Why can't I have this perfect way of working all the time? And this, this sort of knowledge that the busier I became, the more efficient I became. And this whole thing about a gas uniformly, uniformly filling a, a vacuum, which I remember from my school days. So yeah, I thought, you know, why? And then I come back and I'm a bit tired and then I've got, I'm not quite so busy. I'm like, Oh, wow. Why can't I jump on this? Why can't I be like I was five days ago? And then I realized, well, it's not always like that, is it? A uh, bit, bit of a shame. And maybe if I was working at 100 miles an hour all the time, I would I'd perhaps blow up. Anyway, do you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you guys uh, think? Who, who, wants to, who wants to try and make some uh, sense of that nonsense? I can relate but, uh, to Okay, go on, I ben. think it's nonsense at all. I think you're dead right. Um, a gas will expand to fill the available space. And I think tasks 
can expand to fill the available space. I mean, there's a, a famous example of a you know buying a postcard and, and sending it home when you're away. And you go, well, it's a, a thirty second job, surely. You know, buy a postcard, you put an address and a stamp on it, stick it in the box, and you're done. That could then be, um, you know, think of a, perhaps a retired couple going to several shops, trying to find the perfect postcard, then finding a nice cafe to sit in to have a cup of coffee while they write the card. Yeah, that could be a whole day of activity, right? The same task, same outcome. So I think we do make these little choices, don't we, in, in, in our working lives, our working days that, that do impact our efficiency. And, and, you know, often I find that yeah, when, when I do, if I do take on a big task or a, a big new responsibility, uh, you know, at the time I kind of think, Oh my God, how on earth am I going to accommodate this? But of course I always find a way. I always do. And, and because you just, you just sort of contract things and, and fit it in. Um, that's so I, 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 you know, overwhelm is a real thing. You can get to the point of overwhelm and, and you suddenly drop all these balls you're juggling and, and make a mess. So I guess there is some level where you have to sort of self correct or, or keep that self-awareness of like what is too much but i definitely think that you know knowing your capacity maybe maybe, it, maybe it's a percentage thing maybe we should we should write down a score <laughs> not another one not another <laughs> one. capacity every day and and see where we get to i don't know what do you think Alan? well i'm this is this has resonated with me hugely because there, there are a number of things that happened in december with with uh you know another sort of lockdown and and with with another strain of, of, of COVID that hit us. And my, and my diary sort of got disseminated in, in, in December and a lot was put into January. So January was incredibly like crazy, crazy busy to a point of being uh, overwhelmed. And all I kept thinking to myself is, it's okay, look at your diary in February, look how much quieter it is in February. You know, you'll get a chance to get all these things that you want to get done, done. And uh, now we're in February and... I, I have to say I've been a bit miserable um, because <laughs> because I've you know I kept wanting and it's it's kind of be careful what you wish for you know I've been wanting this time and then all of a sudden I'm just not as busy and, and there was an example earlier I'm running a workshop next week in January I ran a number of workshops and I probably had about twenty minutes to thirty minutes to to, to prepare for those workshops some of them are workshops I run regularly so I know the content but I always like to do my my sort of another bit of prep work and not just go into it completely cold. And then this morning I had, you know, I had about three hours free this morning to get quite a few tasks done. But actually that same task that would have taken me half an hour took me about two and a half hours this morning. And I found it incredibly stressful and incredibly um, disappointing more than probably anything else. And, and, and so for me, it's like always searching for that, that perfection, right? Of me going, January's too busy, February will be perfect. And it isn't. So for me, I guess, coming to a, another theme, not just the percentages, but maybe just acceptance, right? Mm. Just acceptance that there is no perfect routine. Um, and just some days are going to be, some days are going to be absolutely crazy and you're going to have half an hour to do a task and other days you're going to have three hours and just accept that. And, and there is no perfect routine. Um, as, as much as we, you know, and for those people that listen that I coach, you know, we're always looking at what, what, what's the best routine? What's the best way to be productive? Certainly my experience of late is, is to be really busy. <laughs> I get an awful lot done. I get it done well. I don't think the outcome's that different. Yeah, it just reminds me of that question. You know, if you want something done, ask a busy person. And it's funny, isn't yeah. it? Because it should be the opposite should be true. But it's often in an organization, I find the busiest person is the one 
who's the, just powering through and, and the most productive and getting the most things done. So yeah, yeah, and you probably you probably cut out a lot of the. Uh, I was gonna, you know, we, we we don't wish to uh, to swear on this podcast, but you know, a lot of the BS, don't you? You know, because you've got a you've got a certain you've got a finite finite amount of time, so you just get it done, and it's good enough. Mm. Um, limitations whereas when make you've got us so much more time limitations always make us creative right yeah yeah but we have to do something within a boundary that's when we get creative and inventive and problem solve the, the, the lack of that can actually be more of a challenge thank you dr thomas yeah i think you've, you've i think you've hit the nail <laughs> on the head there and i'm sure if we've got any uh psychologists um listening they're going guys you're all crazy just uh, do it this way. <laughs> Perhaps we need we need we need a therapist as a guest. That would, sort of <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, be good. Well, listen. On that note, chaps, I believe we're at time. I'll do my best to try and summarise uh, another rangy and rather enjoyable conversation. So we started with: Can you dispel the myth of the perfect employee? It can be easy to dream what could be better about your team and those that support you on your entrepreneurial journey. But how do you manage your natural instinct to make the fundamental attributional error? Can we assess our staff as we would ourselves and maybe aiming for 99%, 94%, 95% um, might be enough? Sean Kernan's article has some great tips for carrying your unquestionably correct opinion into your business. Maybe, of course, our calm, rational selves would find these tips obvious, but we don't always get to choose. Perhaps we could also learn to manage our state and taking inspiration from Anthony's post-it, just breathe. And maybe sometimes the perfect buy-in can trump the perfect logic. Alex was confronting a looming holiday and he found himself discovering an almost perfect level of efficiency. Yet when he got back, he couldn't quite recapture that perfection. Tasks can, of course, expand to fill the available space, but maybe we all do have an optimum level of workload. Could you learn yours and perhaps maintain that whilst at the same time accepting that there's no such thing as perfect? I think some great founder hacks. Thank you both. Very cool. It remains to say, of course, as we always do, um, a huge and gratuitous thank you to Mr. Anthony Enright. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Alex. And an equally generous thank you to Alex Moore. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for listening. A reminder to our listeners that, of course, Founder Hacks is not just this podcast. It's also a blog and newsletter. You can sign up at atomics.co.uk slash founder hacks and as we've already said this episode we do love to have guests and we do love to have your comments so if anything we've shared today gives you pause for thought pause for inspiration or maybe you're in massive disagreement please do let us know we'd love to hear from you until next time i've been ben thomas this has been founder hacks and thanks very much indeed for listening <laughs>